Um, so uh, we are talking about running the race and run the race marked out for you. Run the race with perseverance. I love what Jen shared, uh, which was, man, you know, we do live such comfortable lives and we've been given so much. And it's really interesting that Jesus said, you want to know what? You will be tested in your spiritual journey. In fact, that's part of the process of maturity. But along the way, he says things, and I hope, I hope it sunk in. Consider it pure joy when you suffer, when you face trials. That should be the most audacious thing you could possibly hear. That, that should clue every one of us into we're involved in something and Jesus is inviting us into something that is so otherworldly. Like he's not even trying to make it sort of fit into our normal reality. Like not even a little bit. Not, there's no point of reference that that would be a normal thing to consider that this is actually there's meaning to suffering that there's meaning, that we get more life, that we learn about God, that he transforms us, that there can be joy in trial. And when we hear that, I think sometimes we want to, we go past it so quickly, we forget that, no, we've got to stop and let that sink in. He really means that. And I do feel like, unfortunately, one of the most difficult things we have going for us in the United States is, man, we think something's wrong when everything isn't perfect. Right. Yeah. Man, if my food isn't prepared right, I get angry at the server. It's like their fault. And if my coffee isn't in, if I don't have exactly the things I want the way I want it, yeah. I just lose it. And, and, and I've got to think, wow, we are called to so much more than that. Like those are the verses that genu- that broaden my view. I'm going, wow, we're not talking about just trying to make it through this world. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like this complete, like, I, I don't want to say the upside down because you guys who have watched Stranger Things, you're like, oh, the upside down, right? If you, if you don't have a reference for that, I would consider watching that show, uh, you know, and you're good. But it's this complete, like, up, and, and, and you read that, and I think sometimes we go, oh, that's a really cute verse. But it doesn't really exist. Like, people don't really consider it joy. Like, there's no one on this planet that really does that. I think we think that. (laughs) Instead of going, no, actually, that should be the reality in the church. Like, that's the norm. Like, when people come into the church to visit, the normal thing they should see is joy in suffering. And hopefully that is a little bit overwhelming. It should be. It's meant to be. It really is. Um, and, And as we talk about running the race... Uh, There's an interesting theme from the beginning of of the Bible through the end of the Bible that is one of the most central parts of running the race. Running the race because the end, the finish line that we want to be at is heaven. Like, that's it. There will not be, when we step into heaven and are with God, there will not be one person that will go, I wish I did something else with my life. I wish I would have spent more time trying to make money. I wish I would have spent more time. We, no one will. We'll be so overwhelmed with, I can't describe, I don't know what we'll be overwhelmed with, but we will be so overwhelmed 
all right? There won't be anything in this world, okay? But there's this central theme. If we aren't embracing this, uh, then you want to know what? It's going to be really hard to run the race. In fact, I would say it will be impossible if we don't discuss and dig in. And I'm going to spend two weeks on this topic because I think it's that important and I think it's that hard. I, I really do. This is, these are hard things. And we're going to talk about the, the theme and, the, and the, the kind of the principle of it today. But what you see from the beginning is death and dying. Isn't it interesting, the most emotional moments me and you will have on this planet, the most thought-provoking times, the most painful times, the most agonizing times, are going to be when someone close to us dies. It's the call you don't want to receive. It's, it's those things. It's that idea of some of us, you're, we're talking about it right now, and you're having an emotional response right now. You're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to say that word. I don't want to think about it, right? And, and what's interesting is we're in good company because it's been that way from the beginning. What advertising, you all know what advertising tries to do is convince us if we buy their product, we'll live longer. If you buy Yukonuba dog food, they promise your dog will live 30% longer. I don't know how they figure that out. If you eat lots of blueberries, you'll live longer. If you eat lots of, and, we, and this longevity of we want to do everything we can to prevent death in every step of the way because it's so jarring when that happens. And if you haven't experienced before, there's a, that you know it kind of in your minds you know it, but it is the, we know when Jesus was, a pro, when Lazarus died, Jesus was moved by his death. And he wept. And if we don't look at what that means, because there's a really specific reason from the beginning, all right? And I want us to go there a little bit. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, okay? We're going to start there. And I want you to just take, I really do, I want you to take a deep breath because I think this kind of gets everybody's pulse going. It kind of gets you a little shaky. It gets you a little bit sad. It gets you a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious, a little bit. But it's interesting because it's going to make such a difference. We've got to be okay with being in the world of truth. And truth is, is that death is sad and, and, and that death is painful and it's agonizing, and it's sad for people that love one another and all of these kind of things. And there's actually a purpose and a reason for that. There's a reason that God didn't make it in a different way here, okay? So in Genesis chapter 3, uh, in verse 1, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said. That was all Eve needed, was he said, I'll die. That's not what I want. That's not what I want to experience. And all Satan had to do was go, listen, let's not talk about that anymore. That's too painful. That's sad. 
That's negative. That's, let's not talk about it. Really, you won't. Really, you won't. What he says is God is scared you're going to be like him when you eat that fruit. And then Eve says, yeah, I, I want that now because I want to be like God. I want to know. And there was this crossroads moment with humanity at that point in time where there was something that changed in every single person that would live from that point on was there was a rebellion of us against God. We want to be like God, and God is saying, you can't be like me. And there's this rebellion. And it really started out from the beginning of Satan going, no, 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 we don't have to think about death. But we have to think about death. We've got to go in there. We've got to be truthful. I want to share with you a little journey. This is the last three years for me, okay? I want to just show you some pictures of some brothers here. So up in the upper right-hand corner is my big brother. That's my brother, Jeff, okay? And in, in April of 2014, we got the phone call that you don't want to hear. He was 48 years old. We had just moved to South Florida. And you know when you get, we, my phone started going off in a staff meeting. It was my mom, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to. Then Abby's phone starts going off. Then my phone starts going off. And she's like, something's wrong. She goes, and you hear the words, your brother is dead. Okay? Tragic. Out of nowhere. And it's one of those things where, again, the tendency is, don't go there. Don't think about that. It's too painful. And this is what Satan wants to do is don't look at that. Don't think about those things. Be scared of those things. All right? And we're going to miss out on something that's so vital for us to run the race. Because God from the beginning is like, y'all are going to be scared of this. But there's something that you have to learn about, about this. So that was, Jan- that was April of 2014. Okay. November of 2015 is when Austin died. And that touched a lot of us in here. Some of you weren't here yet. Most of you, I think, were here. And it's that moment when it's just like everything just falls apart, you know. And, you hear, and you're like, oh, it's so painful to hear that, to get that phone call, to live through that, to walk through that. And that was November of 2015. And then a couple months ago, um, this was a friend of mine from South Florida. He's our brother in Christ, actually. He was murdered in South Florida. He was shot to death not too far from his mom's house. His name's Jimmy Charles. And he was, when we, we were only in South Florida for a little bit, and I think the number of weekends that me and him got together just for breakfast and to hang out and all that kind of stuff. But Again, you get that, that message, and you're like, I remember seeing on Facebook, somebody goes, somebody just put on Facebook, what happened to Jimmy? And then somebody posted the news article about his murder. And it's just like, goodness gracious. And it's like, wow, man, it seems like every year there's, this trage- there's these tragic personal things that I'm just like, wow, nothing takes me places in my mind and in my heart and in my faith like death does and some of you guys have faced the same exact thing before where it's just like wow this is so painful and it's so man this is so hard but we've got to look at the truth of this of this this is it's painful to think about this but there's a reason for it there's a reason from the beginning even that satan was like y'all don't think about this 
you know, don't, don't think about death. Don't, in fact, do everything you can to not die. This is bad. This is, this is something you don't want to think about, okay? And so you think about this, then we just read that, and he says, surely you won't die. And that's kind of what we want to go through our minds is, no, we'll never die. In fact, let's do everything we can not to die, okay? And it's funny, throughout the Old Testament, what's really interesting is, is the prophecies of Jesus concern his death. The Son of God is going to be tortured, and he's going to suffer, and he's going to die, and we've whitewashed that from the Bible. Like, we don't want to look at those things like, no, I want to talk about grace, and I'm talking about mercy, and I want to talk about all these things, and those are all fantastic, except none of them matter outside of the death of Jesus. And then there was this thing that happened over in Matthew 16, and Jesus had this great time around the campfire with his close friends, and he asked them, who am I? And they all said the same thing a lot of us have said in here. You are Lord. That's what Peter said. You're the Messiah. You're the Lord, okay? We've all said that. If we've been baptized into Christ, you said it. Jesus is Lord, all right? And then Jesus said, could you imagine this conversation? He says, guys, I'm going to die. Like, I want you to stop and hear these words. I'm going to die. And I'm not just going to die. I'm going to suffer and die. Like, I'm, God isn't withholding this from my life because you guys need to see me die. Like, you're going to have to see my body. You're going to have to see what death looks like. You're going to have to look at it and absorb it and understand this. And Peter does what we always do, naturally. This will never happen to you. Like, Lord, spare us from this. No, 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 this can't happen to you. There's no way this can happen to you. Don't say it's going to happen to you. We're going to keep this from happening to you. And isn't that exactly what we do in life? Like, let's do everything we can to make sure nobody ever gets hurt and never gets a sprained ankle and never falls on the playground onto concrete and never, I mean, it's just like we want at all costs to avoid pain, suffering, and death. And Jesus did not withhold that talk from his people. In fact, he's saying, if y'all are going to run the race, I'm about to tell you, you've got to hear me with these words. Because ignorance is not bliss. And unfortunately, too often, I think most of us, the reason that we've not seen in, in cultural Christianity of our day, we haven't seen people take joy in suffering is because as a whole, virtually no one's ever told that this is God's way. Like we want to convince churchgoers that life is going to be great, that you should be happy all the time, that everything's going to go your way. And this is what we get in the United States of America, yeah. is we get such a false copy of Christianity. We have Christianity that suffers from the exact same things as non-Christians. The divorce rate is the same. The adultery rate is the same. The pornography rate is the same. All of it's the same. So I'm kind of with the atheists when they're going, what's the big deal about what y'all have? Yeah. Same as me, Right. And this is why is because we keep this and it's like, no, let's just say what everyone wants to hear and feel good about. 
And I know we've preached about some things, and I know some of you guys and some of your friends have come out and said, oh, no, 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 that's way too far. And I'm saying we haven't gone as far as Jesus went. <laughs> we haven't. If you leave here on a Sunday morning, you go, that's too far. I'm saying you, you haven't seen Jesus. I can't even come close to what Jesus calls us to do. All right? And so he's telling his guys this, and he's saying, Peter's saying no. And Jesus actually says, get behind me. Isn't that amazing, the parallel between Genesis 3 and Matthew 16? The serpent tells Eve, you're not going to die. Peter tells Jesus, surely you're not going to die. No, avoid this at all costs. And, God said, and Jesus said, you want to know what? Here's the problem, Peter. You're asking me to do something that isn't in the will of God. All right, my, Jesus' fear wasn't death. But could you imagine if Peter talked him into not dying? Do you understand how difficult it is? This is why we don't need each other trying to talk each other out of following Jesus radically. I just need somebody in my life to tell me I don't have to do something. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. You mean I can still be a Christian and not go that far? That's all I need from you guys, to pull back a little bit, right? What I need from my brothers and sisters, what we all need is, hold on a minute. I'm with you, but we can't pull back on the gas pedal here. Like, we've got to do what Jesus calls us to do, and I'm not going to tell you you don't have to do it, okay? That's what we need, and we've got to go, wow, Jesus sat his guys down and said, we're going to talk about death, and we're going to talk about dying, and we're going to talk about why this is so vital to running the race marked out for you. Because it all started back early on in Genesis 3 when Eve was like, no, I want to be like God. And then there was rebellion. All right? And me and you, left to our natural selves, that's what we'll do. If that's not like our starting point, if my starting point and your starting point is people are good, okay, then dying, and what we're going to read in a second here, when Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you're going to die, makes no sense at all. If our starting point is everyone's good, then dying to ourselves will make no sense at all. Unless our starting point is left to myself, on my own, my natural self wants to rebel against God. I want to be like God. Okay, and you're going, well, how do you know that, Keith? Well, you know this about you, too. Okay? Because the thing about it is, if you ever in your mind thought you would love more than anything, in fact, we do this, we pretend like we know what everyone else is thinking. We've all done it. We want that power. I want to know what you're thinking. And in general, we think negative of people. Like, I know what you were thinking. Right? Because we want omniscience. I know what you were doing. I know what your heart was. I know what this is. I know because I'm in rebellion. I want to be God. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what makes me feel good. I want to do, if I'm in a bad mood, I want to just let that out. Because, right, when you're in a bad mood, nothing feels better than venting on someone, right? You know what's interesting about psychology? We used to say that years ago. My brother's a mental health counselor. And he said, years ago, people used to say, you've got to vent your anger. That's healthy. He said, no, it's not healthy. It makes you angrier. It teaches you to do that. 
right? We don't need to vent our anger. We need to go, hold up a minute. I don't need to give in to every feeling. Yeah. I don't need to get my way every single time, Amen. okay? And so what's interesting is, is Jesus tells them after he rebukes Peter, he said, whoever, now, now I want you to think, hear me on this. Jesus said to his disciples, Keith didn't say to the Clemson Foothills Church. All right, this isn't like, well, what about Billy Graham? Well, what about Andy Stanley? Well, what about Perry Noble? Listen, man, Jesus said this to his disciples. Whoever, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny, renounce themselves and take up their cross. That's death. That's the death sentence. And follow me. I want you to think about this. If, if this is the standard of Christianity for you today, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. Has that been your standard of Christianity? Has, has it really? Because I think what we've done in the world, I can't tell you the number of conversations I have, and I'm sure I'll have more after this talk, okay? The number of conversations where people go, but Keith, I think there are other people who are Christians. What did I say that makes you have that argument? (laughs) What you're saying, okay, because I've heard it that often, is people cannot live that way and still be Christians. That's what we want to have be the truth. Is that, no, 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 Keith, I know lots of people who didn't die to themselves. I know lots of people who Jesus isn't Lord. I know lots of people who are good people who go to church every Sunday. I know lots of people who they're not going to like take up their cross. They try to, but they don't. You can't tell me they're not Christians and they're not saved. And this is the reality, honestly, with you guys in here. Probably you think this way about a lot of your friends. Because you're so scared to tell the truth. And you're so scared to look up here and go, no, no, no. This is what Jesus said. Like, my Lord said that. And I'm so scared to deal with reality. I would rather one day just let us all die. And if they don't go to heaven, they don't go to heaven. Right? Is, is that how you feel? Like, then I don't have to worry about it. I mean, okay, I'll get it on straight. But, but I don't want to deal with that truth right now. Like, I don't want to be called judgmental. I don't want to care. Jesus is being judgmental here. He's making a judgment. If you want to be my disciple, you will lose your life if you want to find life. And I bet you if we asked every person walking Clemson, do you want life to the full? Do you want life that's so full? It doesn't matter if you're suffering or happy. If you win the lottery or lose your house, that you are like, I have a full life. I bet you every person would say, that's what I want. And if you were to say, but you have to lose your life to get that. Almost everybody would go, no, I can go find a church that says something different. And I can feel great about it. But it doesn't change the words of Jesus. It just doesn't. There's no way around it. Because there will be a time that Jesus will go, didn't you ever read this? But my preacher said this, but my pastor told me that. Just go, no, 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 no. But, But didn't you see what I said? 
And there's no hiding at that point. There's no way I can go, well, but I thought it would all work out, and I just hoped that they would see I was a good person, and they would want this. And, he, and Jesus is going to say, no, no, no. Did I mince my words? Like, I didn't. Listen, there's a reason why death is so jarring. There's a reason why I want you to stand there. And I remember standing, we went out to California where my brother died. And I remember standing there over his body and just looking at him. And it was so surreal and so like painful and like out of this world. And just like, wow, that's my big brother right there. And this is the end. This is terminal right here. This is over. He doesn't get another chance, okay? And here's the thing is, there's a reason God made it that way. Because he's saying, look, here's the thing. Keith, look at that body. You need to lose your life. Like, I'm not playing with Christianity. I'm saying, look at the corpse. This isn't romantic, like, lovely talk that will die with Jesus and rise again to new life. And that's so romantic. Except death is so scary yeah. and sad. And you, and, and you look at that, and I remember looking at these people and, and thinking, wow, this, these, these images will never leave my head. Ever. When my dad passed away and we saw him being taken out of the house, that will never leave my mind. And not because it was this horrific thing. My dad was a Christian. All right? But the image of death, and, and it's perfect that God makes that one thing in our whole world that jarring, that substantial, that emotional. That is because when you see it and you experience it, you can't get it out of your heart. You can't get it out of your mind. You can't get it out of your, your memory. All right? And then Jesus said, hold on a minute. Now, now listen to me. And in fact, he's telling his guys, you're going to see my dead body one day. And I want you to look down and say, man, that's what he was talking about. Like that radical, like he's dead. We've got to lose our life. And you go, well, that's symbolic because if we all like, what are we supposed to do? Go and die, kill ourselves, go wait for the spaceship to come over and like take us all up. I mean, drink the juice. What are we supposed to do? Except here's the truth. Turn over to Galatians chapter two, okay? Over in Galatians chapter two, this wasn't something to Paul. That was symbolic. This wasn't something that was like, oh, okay, hey, um, this is something to think about. This is neat. Jesus died. I'm going to take communion each week. I'm going to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. And yeah, okay, and kind of this, this separate thing, okay? This is what Paul wrote right here, Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's it. That's life to the, that's a guy telling you that, hold on a minute, he has figured this out. I have, Paul has been crucified with Christ. You're like, well, what does that look like? Turn over to Philippians chapter three. Like, what on earth does that look like? Philippians three. Verse 7, Paul writes this, whatever was to my profit, whatever was great about my life, Paul was a leader. He was the smartest guy out there. He was a great Jewish teacher. He said, whatever was to my profit, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of, of knowing Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Think about every good thing you have in your life right now. Every great material thing, every great title you have at work, every great accolade you've received in your life, everything you're going, you want to know what? I consider all of that rubbish because I know Jesus Christ. Really, I mean, think of all the trinkets. Like if you went home right now and said, I'm selling everything I have in my house. Those things that you go, I will not part with that. Right? I will not, you know, I mean... It, it, Think about those things. I'm not talking about your children either, okay? I mean, you're, I'm talking about my kids because that's kind of depending, okay? Uh, but the thing about it is, is could we say this? This isn't for a super Christian to say. This is a man who has looked at death and said, I'm dying. I've been crucified with Christ. And if you wanted to have joy in suffering, it's, he's teaching us what that is. He said that, I want to be found in him in verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own through the law, but through that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Is that the deepest desire of your heart? I want you to think about that. You may not have ever thought about that. You don't have to answer in the affirmative either. You might never have thought about that, that all I want in my life is to experience the power of the resurrection, right? Can, can you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine what that was like? And Paul says, this is all I want to know. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings so I can become like him in his death and somehow attain the resurrection from the dead. Is that mine in your heart? Like deep down, like this is all I want in life. Okay, I'm reading a book by Brother Lawrence. He was a monk in the 17th century. The book is called Practicing the Presence of God. And, um, and, and that's all he does is 24 hours a day. He's just like, I'm in the presence of God. He was a cook at the, at the at, he like prepared food at the monastery. And he's like, if I'm cutting carrots, I'm in the presence of God. I am thanking God for these carrots. And if I'm with people, I can talk to you and be in the presence of God and thank God for you. And he has this like total thing going on. And in fact, he, that's all he did as a disciple. And after years and years, the guys who were like the true theologians were coming to him and going, tell us your secret. He, in fact, he said, I, I don't read extra books because they'll hurt if I'm not that smart. That was his, his statement. He's like, if I read extra books, I'm going to be confused. But if I can be in the presence of God, he will transform my life. All right. And at the end of his book, he said he yearns for suffering. Because that's when he gets to be the most intimate with God. Wow, man. I mean, that should be what on earth? You know, you think about it, I, I yearn for, and you fill in the blank, more money. I yearn for Clemson to win a national championship this year. I yearn for a spouse. Like, I want that more than anything in the world, and I'm willing to do anything for it. And Paul is going, this is what I want more than anything in the world to know the power of the resurrection of God. Like, I want to be that close. 
I want to be like him in his suffering. Like that is truly a crucified man. Somebody who goes, I'm dying moment to moment to myself. Like every minute I'm dying and I'm not. And that's the only way we get to run the race. Because Jesus asks us to do some really audacious things. Don't hate your enemy, but do what to your enemy? Love them. Pray for them. If somebody has something against you, go and reconcile with them. If you don't forgive the way you've been forgiven, you can't be forgiven any longer. These are hard things that the world, when people don't die, don't do those things. They just go to church and they hate the people in church that they're sitting around and gossip and do all that because there's no one going, no, 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 I'm dead. I don't gossip anymore. No, I forgive. I reconcile. I pray for my enemy. I love my enemy. I love my brother. I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength because I'm dying moment to moment. That's the only way when God built the church, that's the only way the church can work. With everyone dying, because if it doesn't happen, you don't know what we look like? We look like a reality show on TV. Bickering and fighting and backstabbing and gossiping and all that. And he said, no, no, there's only one way the church is going to work for everyone to die and live for Jesus. Okay, turn to Romans 6. Romans 6, he, he puts... He puts like skin on the bones here, okay? Because I think what we've done, even in Christianity, you can go and read books. You, it be, this is like this nebulous idea, like, okay, but when do you die? Like, okay, I guess you die when you pray Jesus in your heart. I guess you die when you've been baptized as a baby. I guess you die when you accept Jesus, I guess. And there's no consensus. Like, I talk to so many people, and I'm like, walk me through, like, how to die in Christ and rise again. Walk me through the process of, of having life in Jesus. Walk me through the process of actually becoming a Christian. And almost every, I'm talking about religious folks, are like, wow, I don't know. Some people say this and some people say that and some people say this other thing. Although Jesus said, unless you die, you can't, unless you lose your life, you can't have life, okay? And then Romans 6, Paul doesn't mess around. Paul is like, listen, I'm going to be very clear, all right? It's not this crazy, weird idea. Romans 6, he says in verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? By no means, and stop and think about this, we died to sin, okay? Paul's saying that, meaning Christians die to sin. And actually, have you died to sin? Like, we've got, this begs the question for me and you. Like, if I died to sin, and I don't mean the big ones, like, oh, I stopped stealing, I stopped sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend, I stopped looking at pornography. I'm talking about, like, like died to sin, like, I've died to the inclination of being selfish, I've died to, to bitterness, I've died to cynicism. He said, we died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Even Paul is saying, have you ever seen a corpse? It would be crazy for the corpse to get up and start living again. How can we live in sin any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So that life that we all wanted, 
that life of going, man, I want that. I want to not be tossed back and forth. I want to not be moody. I want to not be like every, when I'm frustrated, just give in to my feelings. I want to be just like steady, joyful, patient, kind. Every one of us wants that life. Regardless of what happens tomorrow, if you were guaranteed to have that life, you would do it. If I could finance it to you, you would think about the cost. Go, hmm, could I afford, what could... And what he's saying is, is right here, without death, there is no new life. It's like running a race as this stubborn teenager that's just angry and bored at the same time. And like, but I'll go to church because God tells me to go to church. And it becomes this have-to mentality. And then there's no life. And people see that. You can go to church all you want. When there's not life, it's clear. And he's going, hold on a minute. Don't you know when you're baptized? Ask yourself that question. Don't you know when you're baptized? Are you sure you're dead? Because if you didn't know that, if you're going, my my person told me that it's just a symbol. Baptism doesn't do anything for you. Paul's going, it's like saying my brother symbolically died. Jimmy Charles symbolically died. Austin symbolically died. We're going, no, 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 he's not dead. No, 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 he's dead. Like God wasn't messing around. He wasn't saying like, oh, no, okay, you feel bad about that? No, come on back to life, make everyone happy again. He's like, no, he's dead. Did you die in baptism? Like, did you really die? He said, because that's the way that you live the new life. Like there isn't new life without that. And that's what worries me the most about Christianity today is I think us as Christians, we know that and we aren't sitting down with our friends who are good folks and going, please hear this. You're frustrated by Christianity. You're frustrated by church. You're frustrated by life. You're frustrated because you feel like you want to do the right thing and you can't do the right thing and you're tossed back and forth. And let me just share this with you. You've got to die. Like you just, you've got to die to yourself. And he said in verse 8, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. And, and that's the thing. If we die, I want you to ask yourself that. If you died with Christ, do you believe I live with him? Right now, me and him all the time. I live with him. I believe that because I died. I believe I'm a new creation. I believe that's, I believe I died to sin. How can I live in it any longer? This is like the sermon we all should preach to ourselves, like every day. I believe this. You're going, but I haven't been united this way. Listen, what's beautiful about this, he's not saying if you take this 50-point quiz and if you pass it, then we'll consider it. He's saying this can be done now. This can be done. This can be done. This isn't, there's plenty of water on the planet. That's what always cracks me up. We're kind of like, but what about the guy who's living in the place where there's no water? God built us to only live in places that have water. You ever thought about that? There is no place that has no water because you cannot live there. Have you ever thought about that? I was like, you know, people say that all the time. Like, no, no, no. What about the guy who's out there in the desert with no water? I'm going, dude, no one lives in that part of our planet. There is no community out there. There is no people out there in that community. If they are, you know what they've done? They've created 
wells to pump water in. Okay, so God has built me and you perfect. Me and you in a way that says, y'all need water so bad to live. And in fact, that's what you're going to need to live for real. Okay, so God was like, you can't get anywhere on this planet without water. <laughs> okay, so we got to just stop the excuses. Because what we're scared of is, is this, honestly. What I was most scared of before I got baptized was dying to Keith. Yeah. Like, I love Keith. I really love Keith. And, you're, and Jennifer's going, how is that possible? <laughs> She's like, that wouldn't be hard for me. If I was you, I would die yesterday. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I read Jen's eyes right there. I, I'm right there with her, okay? I love me. I like me being in charge of everything. I like me setting all the rules. I like me saying what's right and what's wrong. And when I got baptized, you know what was the worst part about it? Jesus was Lord. Keith had to die. And the only thing I can say over the past 17 or 18 or 19 years is that, wow, I wouldn't have traded everything in that I've gone through for anything other than this life. Nothing. Nothing. There hasn't been a situation that I've gone, wow, man, this is so hard. In fact, everything I showed you, from Austin to Jimmy to my brother to my father dying and going through ALS and, and wilting in front of us, everything I've gone through that has been the most painful, I'm like, thank God I was walking with Jesus. Thank God for that. Because you want to know what? There was meaning. There was some, there was, it was different than the world suffered. There was meaning behind it. There was truth behind it. And that's what everyone should say is, man, it, there, has been, there have been those of us in here, you have gone through agonizing things in life. And we all should say the same thing Paul says, which thank God for those sufferings. Like what Jen stood up here and says, thank God. I thank God for that. Does that mean I'm like begging for them to happen every day? No. But you want to know what? In light of Jesus dying, amen. All right, this is what life, he really has given life to the full. Let's finish up with that. John chapter 10 right here, okay? Because here's the, here's the thing is, if, when I'm not looking at this the right way, church is such a burden. Brothers and sisters are such burdens. Church is about attendance. It becomes about like, man, are you going to get on me because I didn't come to something? Here's my thing is, is usually if you don't come to something, I'll try and call you. All right. Here's why. It's not about attendance. It's about, here's the deal. Like when I died in baptism, there isn't anything I love more in my life than my family in the church. Like nothing makes me happier. I'm tired today. Nothing makes me happier than coming here. To be with my brothers and sisters. Not because I feel like, oh, you know what? Someone's going to call me if I don't show up. And I want people on my case and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, man, if I didn't come, I would be doing bad. Like, I can't miss seeing you guys. And that's the difference. We have the right view of death. We don't see church as attendance. You mean I have to go to soul talk. You mean I have to go to cross training. You mean I have to do this. But I got homework and I got all this stuff. It's like, no, hey, bump that junk. Man, I'm getting with my people for an hour. Like, I got that you energize me. All right? When I'm down, I feel up because of the Holy Spirit filled brothers and sisters. All right? But we all have to die moment to moment. And if we have a wrong view of it, then we think, well, Jesus, you're just asking me to do things that that I'm not going to like to do. Like, 
Like, I like to have a bad attitude. I like to get on people. I like gossiping. I like yelling at people. I like doing, and, and Jesus is going to cramp my style on that. Except in John chapter 10, this is the truth. And he wraps it all the way up here, okay? John 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And when we've decided that we aren't going to die, but we're going to try to run the Christian life. But I'm not going to die. And I'm not going to ask my friends to die either. And keep in mind, when we're not asking our friends to die, we're putting them in a position that Peter was in with Jesus of talking Jesus out of doing it. I don't need that. And I know you don't need it either. You don't, we don't need people talking us out of dying. All right? The, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. He, the thief comes to have us sit in church and be bored and unfulfilled. And, and no transformation, and no power, no power of the Holy Spirit. Just like, let's pretend that we're changing. Let's pretend that we're growing. Let's pretend. And you want to know what? That's very different than when you're dead, and you're like, whoo, Paul is like, I wrestle with God's energy that is so powerfully works in me. And that doesn't mean that we're like all like, whoo, like this all the time. But it's the idea of, man, Satan came to have us settle for an experience called Christianity that is boring and painful and embarrassing and something to be ashamed of. But go through it anyway. Jesus said, but I've come that you will have life and life to the full. If that's not your experience with Jesus, then we've got to go back and go, hold on a minute. Do I have a right view of death? Do I, have a, do I really believe that what Jesus said, whoever will be my disciple, whoever wants to call them a Christian, whoever must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. All right, we may have to go back and be reacquainted with that one passage. We may have to go back to Romans 6 and go, yes, I remember being united with him in his death. Man, it's time to repent. It's time for me to remember that and get going again. And it might be going, wow, I never was united with him in his death. No one told me that junk. Like, where's the water? Like, somebody show me the lake. All right? And if that has to happen, that has to happen too. Amen. That's great. All right? But keep in mind one thing. Jesus came and Jesus taught what he taught to give life to the full. Without that, this is a meaningless exercise. This is just a painful exercise. And who can endure the longest? Instead of going, man, I want to experience the power of his resurrection. I want life to the full. Man, I don't want to be tossed back and forth. I want joy and peace and patience and kindness. Those are the things that I want, like, just coming out of me constantly. Okay? It's going to give us a lot to talk about. We're going to talk next week. We're going to kind of go back. We're going to talk more about this because, man, it's deep. Please go back. Study these passages out. Meditate, pray, fast, whatever. But, man, this is really huge. Let's pray, and then we'll have our final song.